You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So guess what we get to do today? Literally anything else not involving what we've been having to stare at for a long time now. Yay, right? So for the next half hour, 45 minutes, however long, I'm going to provide to you a distraction. That's my, uh, that's my, that's how I'm helping society. You're welcome. With that being said, I do want to say thank you to quite a few people. Pretty sure I already said thanks to Jameis, but thanks to Jameis again. On top of that, thank you to Mark. Thank you to Joe. Thanks to Scott for upping the pledge. Thank you to, oh no, he deleted. Sorry about, well, sorry to see you go. Thank you to Jorgen Steinholt. I'm trying to do an impression of an accent when I don't know exactly where that comes from, nor do I know how to do an accent of the region that I'm even imagining in my mind. Sweden, Norway, somewhere in there, and I I don't really know what that would sound like, to be completely honest. But if you just kind of throw some inflections in there from different regions, I feel like maybe I'm going to hit on something. Turn the J into a Y, kind of get that glottal thing going on in the back of your throat, throw in like a D, Jorgen. Just uh, mix it up, man. And Steinholt's pretty straightforward, but if you just kind of throw like an SH, Steinholt or something, I don't know. You know, kind of just don't care. <laughs> just don't care anymore. I think we just got to have a little bit of fun. What else are you going to do? Because I'll tell you what, I got one more person to thank. But here's, here's the thing. Here's the secret. Don't tell anybody. But, turns out, rumor has it, after we're done here on this planet, there's a place with zero, I repeat, Zero murder hornets. Zero infected bats. And apparently, I don't know, I haven't been able to verify this, there's not even any jerks there. Like, the temperature's just awesome all the time. I, you know, it's just a rumor, but, uh, supposedly that's, that's the thing. So, looking forward to that. Thank you also, finally, to Mr. Mark. Is that finally? Let me make sure. I think that's finally. I may have said Mark already. I think I said Mark. It, it... It duplicates. It starts repeating. So it's, yeah, I said thanks to Mark. Thanks to Mark again. Mark's the man. And you know what? I'll say thanks to Brian anyway. Brian deleted his, but he's been a faithful patron for many, many months, it would appear. Maybe five months or so. So thank you very much for uh, sticking around a while. Anyways, um, it would also be pretty cool if you jump in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Give a like to the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. I'm being told by my... Uh, he doesn't have a title, but I'll, I'll go with Consiglieri. I feel like that would be the most appropriate. That my Twitter is pathetic, given all the things that I'm doing. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. JJ is pretty blunt and to the point, so pretty sure those are his exact words. Any other way you can think to help out the show, that's on you. But why don't we go ahead and take a break? And we are going to sit back 
and make fun of the Chicago Bears for the next 30 minutes or so. So if that sounds good to you, climb aboard. We're going to take a non-break because there's no ads anymore. The world has collapsed in on itself and there's just nothing. But we'll take a break anyways on the off chance that, you know, Target wants to slip a little something in here or whatever. You know, just, 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 just you know, maybe. See if I can squeeze a nickel out of this bad boy. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Was, it, was there an ad there? Did it, did it work? Or I, Okay. All right, Chicago Bears, same format as last week. Let's look at last year first. So last year, the Chicago Bears went 8-8. Eight and eight. Now, it's kind of crazy to me that I feel like I'm back on my heels on this issue of saying the Bears have regressed. Why is, why is it me that has the burden of proof on this? You guys went from 12-4 and four to 8-8. Eight and eight. I feel like it kind of speaks for itself, no? I mean... You took a giant step back, and I'm providing context as to why. And by the way, I told you it would happen. The fact that I saw it coming means that I probably have a pretty good idea of what actually happened, because I saw it before it happened. The people who are telling you they didn't take a step back are the same people that told you that they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Last year, whatever. So I don't know that I trust their analysis of their own team. Oh, no, he's not that bad. You're lying. You're making that up. Okay, well, you went 8-8. Eight eight. You explain it. Now, maybe I've got some new listeners, so let me provide a brief summary of what happened for those that haven't been around. Because I've said this dozens of times, but it's very straightforward. In 2018, the Chicago Bears had one of the best defenses we've seen in a very long time. The biggest problem the Chicago Bears had is the fact that everybody was seemingly playing beyond even their own ability. Uh, One of the references I like to use is Pro Football Focus. And by the way, one of the reasons I like Pro Football Focus is because it is, as I've said before, predictive. If something is very, very good, you should be able to use that data to kind of see into the future a little bit. Nothing's perfect, especially with football. Everything's kind of 
out there, but you should be able to form somewhat of a hypothesis. So that's what I did with the Chicago Bears. It was with the help of Pro Football Focus that I was able to say, like nobody else did, that the Chicago Bears would regress quite a bit. And the reason I did that is because when you look at just about any single person, and and I had been seeing this for a while, I, I actually, to pat myself on the back again, predicted the Bears would have a good 2018 season and then predicted they would have a bad 2019 season. I was also one of the few people that said Trubisky's not actually that good while everybody was hailing him for being a very good guy and taking a step and he's going to take an... I've been wrong about a lot of stuff. I've been dead on accurate about the Chicago Bears all along. And if Bears fans want to get in my face about it, fine. Let's compare notes. I was there at the beginning of 2018 saying we should probably should not overlook this team. And the reason I said that, let's back up even a little bit further before we continue. Under Vic Fangio, if you look at the grades of all these players, every single one got better every single year with the exception of a couple of older veterans who just didn't have anything left in the tank. Everybody just kept getting better. It was freaky. You never see anything like that. Vic Fangio was doing a fantastic job. And all I said was... If this defense continues, if they each take one more step, we might be in big trouble here. That's exactly what happened. They all took another step. And it was, as you saw, a very good team, largely because of their defense. Now, the reason I said they were going to regress is because they took a step that was a ridiculous step. It was a step that is not maintainable. There are only so many players that can stay that good for a long time. Guys like Khalil Mack, guys like Von Miller... You know, handful of guys that are just elite football players that stay elite. You know, you know, I, I don't know if Devontae, I guess you could say he didn't start out that way, but you can pretty much expect him to stay up at a high level. Aaron Rodgers, even when he has a down year, slightly down, he's going to stay up at a high level. For the most part, though, guys have good years, guys have bad years, guys have mediocre years. It's up and down. And when you see an entire defense of guys who have got a four, five, six, seven, eight, ten year track record of being good or mediocre, suddenly have an elite season. Guys like Prince of Mukamura, guys like Kyle Fuller, guys like just down the list, Akeem Hicks, guys who are good, who had elite years, you look at it and say, this is a house of cards. And the final nail in the coffin for me, because it's not to say that it can't be replicated, it's just going to be hard to maintain, but as soon as they said Vic Fangio was leaving, there's almost no way. How do you maintain something that's not maintainable when the foundation gets pulled out and so I said this thing would come crumbling and it did and so again I don't necessarily think that the onus is on me to explain why the Bears defense isn't going to get back to 2018 again 2018 was the anomaly it's not 2019 you're telling me the Bears defense has just always been 2018 and and this is just a weird down year give me a break And and listen I'm not saying the Bears defense was bad all I said was they would regress and they did But the point is they regressed back to what you would expect from them. Akeem Hicks went from being elite back to being good. Kyle Fuller went from being elite back to being pretty bad. Amukamura is gone. Eddie Jackson, you know, again, this is one Bears fans are really upset about this because they want to believe that their fourth round pick is the best safety in all of football because he was that one year, the same year that everybody was elite. And we'll get into the specifics and all the grades and the stats and everything else to further highlight this. But the fact is, as a rookie, his grade was 68. In 2019, his grade was 69. Sandwiched in between there was the anomaly year in which everybody overperformed. He had a grade of 93, was the highest graded safety in all of football. By the way, he, like, I don't know if it would, let me, I should probably verify that. I'm not going to. I don't care. Led the league or was close to leading the league in picks. He just had a ton of interceptions. Again, that's not something you can replicate every single year. You can't just depend on that. And so when that goes away and, and you've got basically outside of this one year, two years of being 
decent. It is what it is. His coverage grade was a 66. His run defense grade was a 66. His overall grade was a 66. He was graded 45th out of 85. That's the guy you paid massive money to as a safety. And so again, I'm not saying bad. Khalil Mack is still very good. Hicks is good. Goldman's good. Jackson's still decent. I'm not saying he's bad. But this is not this is not the 2018 Bears, and it's not going to be the 2018 Bears. Now, if I had to guess, would they... But, see, here, here's the hard thing. Overall, their defense ranked 4th in points, 8th in yard. couple things. First of all, that's pretty solid. However, I, I, I guess I'm just torn. Because... And again, you look at the roster, it's not that good. That's the problem. And Bears, of course Bears fans are going to get mad about that. Every, every Packers fans get mad when you pick at certain things, whatever. Although I think Packer fans are a little bit more negative and receptive to stuff like that. Seemingly, I don't know. But again, what, what is it that they have that makes them fourth? And we'll get into specifics here, but I don't know if they have one good corner on this team. I don't know that they have really one good safety on this team. I know they don't have good linebackers, and that's that's a major point of contention. Same thing I've been saying about the Vikings forever, which I don't even know if anyone's putting up a fight on that anymore. Bears fans absolutely love Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith in 2018 had a grade of 67. He was 40th out of 91. In 2019, he had a grade of 52.4. Massive regression. 66th ranked linebacker out of 89. Again, I don't want to get too specific. We'll get into all the, the defense of all this in a little bit. But the problem I have is, on one hand, you've got a defense that is largely the same as 2018 that is going into its second year with a certain defensive coordinator. It's possible they get better. On the other hand, I don't know how this unit, with no corners, no safeties, no linebackers, uh, decent I mean, defensive line, I mean, this is worse than the Packers' defense. It just is. We have better safeties. Our linebackers are as bad. I mean, just, just going off PFF grades, it's it's they don't have better linebackers than we do. I know that is way divergent from what everybody's going to say, and that's fine. Maybe PFF is just way off on this one issue. And they've got a really good pass rusher, as do the Packers. We have better corners than they do. Defensive line, I mean, Kenny Clark is better than Hicks. Again, Bears fans would want to fight on that, and you would lose. Well, Hicks was hurt all year. That's what... No, 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 no. Listen to me. Hicks played exactly like he's played last year his entire career. 2018 was the anomaly. Let me read this to you now. Here's his grades. 68, 67, 65, 71, 76, 76, 91, 76. You point out the anomaly there. So his first three years, he was high 60. The last four years, with the exception of one, he was 76. If you eliminate the 2018 season, his grades were 76.6, 76.2, 76.1. And you're telling me that the only reason he didn't play up to 2018 standards is because he was hurt and he only played four weeks. Or three-ish, four-ish, five-ish, whatever. Week five, it looks like he hardly played at all. You're telling me 2018 was what he normally is. I'm telling you you're a liar, and I'm looking at it right now. I've seen what he's done. 2019 is exactly the same as 2017, 2016, etc. 2018 is, is a freakish anomaly of a year that's never coming back. Get over that. But even if you want to call the, the defensive front a wash, because they have Mack and Quinn, Quinn is a nothing, and they have Hicks and Goldman, which is probably a better, maybe, duo, although Kenny Clark is much better. So let, let's say it's a wash. Fine, we have better corners, we have better safeties, and, and I'll grant you that you have better linebackers, but not by much. But again, it's hard because of what they already were able to accomplish points-wise, which doesn't give the whole story. But again, the roster just isn't that good. If we and, and here's the thing. You want to look at the grades? PFF had them ranked 10th defensively. 
down from number one. To get more specific, their defensive grade went from a 93.1 to a 75.9. You know what the Packers' defensive grade was? A 75.6. Packers graded higher in coverage, higher in pass rush. The biggest difference was the Bears were significantly better in run defense and tackling. The Bears didn't actually grade out very well. They, they grade, the, the good thing, about, I think, about the Bears and their defense is the fact that they're not bad at anything. Run defense, 76. Tackling, 72. Pass rush, 71. Coverage, 76. The Packers were an anomaly. I shouldn't, that's the wrong word. The Packers were, I don't know, bipolar. I, I, whatever. Coverage, 84. Pass rush, 79. Tackling, 54. Run defense, 59. Up front, against the run, they were terrible. The Packers ranked 20, what is that, 9th or 8th? It's blocking my view here. 28th against the run. 5th in pass rush. 9th in coverage. Anyways, getting back to their record last year, another thing to take into account, when you look at the fact that they were fourth in points, they did a pretty good job in points. However, they started the season allowing 10 points, 14 points, 15 points, 6 points. That's how they started their first four games. Solid. Their last four games, 19, 26, 21, 24. They started a lot stronger than they finished. Now, they were never really bad. They allowed one real blowout, and that was against the Saints. And again, this is this is probably one of the bigger differences between the Packers and the Bears. The Bears seem to be more steady, more solid. I don't know that they have elite-level talent, but they're very disciplined. They don't allow things to get out of control. They are the kind of defense that's going to keep everything in front of them. You're going to have a, you're going to struggle to run. You're going to struggle to pass. It, nothing's impossible, right? Again, they're not elite in any of these categories. You can throw, you can run, but you're going to have to work for it a little bit. Whereas the Packers. The defense is either going to completely annihilate you, or you can just run over them with very little effort. And so you get these wild swings. You get times when the, the Packers' offense puts up points and still loses. You get times when the defense allows nothing and they still lose. Or conversely, the you know defense gives up a bunch of points and we still win because the offense wins, or the offense doesn't score much, but we still win because the defense allows no points. I mean, it's just, it's very in flux. The Bears are pretty consistent in, we don't allow a lot of points. If you can score 21-ish points, we're probably going to win. If you can score 24 or more, it's almost a guarantee we win. In fact, literally, they would have been, uh, what, lost two games? I think they would have lost two games if the offense could get to 24 in all these games. So the defense is still solid, and I'll concede that. But I think Bears fans need to recognize that 2018 number one is not coming back. You're not going to see Akeem Hicks and Jackson and, I mean, some of these guys are literally gone fuller. All these. Not only are you not going to see them individually get back to that level, but they're not all collectively at the same time going to be there. And remember, you've also got Amukamura, who was top 10 corner that year, who's gone. You had Adrian Amos, who was a top 10 safety, who is now with the Packers. Eddie Goldman, in 2018, was 12th out of all defensive tackles in the entire NFL. He dropped to 35th. He's not getting back to 12th. Now, maybe Khalil Mack will get back, because Khalil Mack in 2018 was the same as Khalil Mack in 2017, 2016, and 2015. He also, unfortunately for you, did regress a little bit in 2019 with the rest of the team, and hopefully for your sake, he isn't starting to slide. I would guess he's not, because he's a physical freak, and usually these guys can crank it out for quite a while. I expect him to be a top athlete for another at least two to three years. But I'm just trying to get Bears fans to be realistic about what's going on, and a big part of the problem is you gave away a bunch of draft picks. You have not been able to really add talent at all. You've been having to rely on free agency, and you've been missing on just about everything since you brought in Robinson. That was the one good pickup you've had, and that's it. Your offensive line has deteriorated. You drafted Cole Komet. We'll see if that does anything. Who knows? 
certainly not a guarantee. You drafted Miller, who, you know, there was a lot of hype, but so far hasn't really shown much. He was 73rd out of 122 wide receivers, graded out as average. And let's be honest, your entire hope relies on one guy, and that's Mr. Nick Foles. Everything that you have hope in is on Nick Foles. And I'll grant you this, you've maybe got one or two more swings at this thing because your team is falling apart. You're going in the wrong direction. This is not, like I've said with the Packers, a team that is very youthful, that is just starting to grow, a bunch of 22, 23-year-old kids who are just learning how to play. You're relying on a 31-year-old quarterback and a 29-year-old pass rusher, a 30-year-old defensive tackle and Akeem Hicks. Kyle Fuller's already 28, and you've got nothing else. You got Allen Robinson, who's relatively young. There's not a lot of youth ready to take off, so you got your core pieces. You've got a 31-year-old quarterback, a 28-year-old pass rusher, and you got Allen Robinson, and this is your hope. And so, similar to the Vikings, there's a there's a window, but if you're choosing not to tear this thing down and rebuild, you're hoping that you're going to be so good that you're going to be able to maintain this high defense, and Nick Foles is going to be good enough with Allen Robinson and not a lot else. No offensive line, no real run game, no real solid number two wide receiver. Maybe Cole Komet turns into something, but I doubt it. And that's going to be good enough to not only get to win the NFC North and be better than the Packers and the Vikings, but to be able to beat the Saints and the Chiefs and, you know, the Ravens. I mean, that's that's your hope. Rather than just tear this thing down and, and put in some honest an honest day's work to actually rebuild this thing, you're going to take this mishmash that is completely falling apart and say, no, 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 I think we got one more swing at this. You're kidding yourself. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm all about Nick Foles. I, I, I think he's had some great years. The guy won a Super Bowl. He's, he's had flashes, but he's had more bad years than good years. I mean, he, he is already, without any question in the world, the fourth best quarterback in the NFC North. That's, that's a given. And again, this is your entire hope. Like, well, we're going to win this year because we got Nick Foles. Okay, he's the worst quarterback in the NFC North. How does that help you? Well, our defense is so good. Really? It's marginally better than the Packers, maybe. I don't know that it's better than the Vikings' defense. The offense is considerably worse than the Lions, the Packers, and the Vikings. What what exactly are you hoping in here? And I'm not saying they're going to be worse overall than the Lions. They've got a lot of issues over there in Detroit. But this is, this is not a question. The Lions' offense is significantly better than the Bears' offense. But you're going to win it all because Nick Foles, Allen Robinson, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, and... Come on, man. Look, 2018 was a fun ride. And I'm not saying there isn't a part of me that's a little bit worried, but I'm worried about any team. I'm worried about the Lions, and I know they don't have any hope. I'm terrified of the Lions, to be completely honest. It's a scary team. They're going to be garbage. They're not going to make the playoffs. It doesn't matter. But they're still going to have a real good chance of beating the Packers this year. And I'm probably a little bit less than 50% than we go 2-0 against the Lions. So yeah, I, I'm talking a big game. And then we play the Bears and the Bears went, oh, what now? What now is you're still garbage. And the, from a macro view, you got to tear this down and be honest and start rebuilding. Because your team sucks. That's being honest. And I don't care how many games you pull out. Yeah, you won eight games last year too. Are you content with that? It's not, I'm not making the case that you can't win football games. You beat the Vikings 21 to 19 at the end of the year last year. Were you better than the Vikings? No. Were you a playoff team? No. Were you good? No. You beat the Cowboys 31-24. So what? I actually went 2 and 0 against the Vikings. Bravo. Bravo. I tell you what, you keep that up, you got a friend in me right right there, man. That's that's that is fantastic work. That's beautiful.
If you go 4-0 and against the Lions and the Vikings and then 0-2 against the Packers, I'll tell you what. I don't buy jerseys. I'll start buying Bears jerseys. I don't even know which one. Ryan Pace Bears jersey or something. Because he has built a team that is... I, okay, conspiracy theory time. Why is it the Bears seem to have a history of aiding the Packers? The last big free agent acquisition that we got was from Julius Peppers because the Bears decided to let him go. Thank you for that. The last quarterback they had was a guy that, although was fairly talented, his biggest talent was throwing the ball to Green Bay Packers and never beating the Packers. We now have a Chicago Bears team that's deadly enough to beat the Vikings twice a year and the Lions twice a year, but can't seem to find a way to beat the Packers. (laughs) You know, it seems like ever since Lovey Smith left, with his whole attitude of, I'm here to beat the Green Bay Packers. That's that's basically my entire job. We're going to beat the Packers. Once he left, everybody else was like, eh, we're going to go in the exact opposite direction. We're going to do everything but beat the Packers. And I like I I uh, I like that a little bit. Granted, Cutler was around during the Lovey Smith years, but you know, it's toward the end. But anyways, the last thing I want to do is kind of go through their roster. I've I've already kind of done this in such a way that I've discussed several of their players already. But I know there's going to be some people that don't agree with what I'm saying, so I'm just going to go off of what I'm seeing and why I'm saying what I'm saying. We'll start on offense. One of the claims I've been making is that this offensive line is regressing. Now, Charles Leno is their left tackle. He's not a bad left tackle, but he had a terrible year last year. It's sort of similar to the Wagner situation that we have at right tackle, minus the injury concerns, but where he's a decent enough tackle, but he had a real bad year. Is he going to bounce back, or are we kind of worried about this? That's sort of where they're at with Charles Leno. So I, I would almost expect him to have a better season. Because again, I'll, I'll, I'll be fair in both directions. The question is, what do you expect? And I think when you've got a four-year track record of being a pretty decent tackle, and you have one bad year, I expect you to have a better year. Now, if he was 32, I'd be a little bit more concerned. He's only 28. Now, he's also a seventh-round pick, so... But for, again, four years... I think he's okay. Then there's the question of James Daniels. He was a second-round pick. He was highly touted, a lot of high expectations. He did take a step in year two, but he's never been a great interior guy. So he's been pretty steady Eddie at, meh. One of the biggest disappointments, though, is Mr. Cody Whitehair. Cody Whitehair was another second-round pick, highly touted, all that stuff. He came in, and in his rookie year, was one of the best interior players in all the football. It was just a freakish thing. I was very upset. Like, oh, no, they've got this great guy. He's going to be there for 10 years. This is a nightmare. Well, then he took a big step back, and you're thinking, okay, he went from 87 down to 70. The next year, he was at 70, and it's like, all right, so this is where he is. Like, he had a freakish good year, but now he's going to kind of settle in a little bit, and he's good, not great. 2019, he took a bigger step back. So he has continually gotten worse every single year. Now, I don't know if he's going to get back to being mediocre, but this was not a good effort from Cody Whitehair, who has, again, gone continually backwards and, again, is another 28-year-old guy. He's not old, but he's certainly not young. If he's going to turn his career around, he better do it quick because he's kind of at the tw- He's got a couple more years until it's like, oh, I think we're done with you. Then on the right tackle spot, you've got Bobby Massey. Bobby Massey's 30 years old. He did have a decent year in 2018, but for the most part, he's just not a good tackle. And the right guard spot is basically vacated, and as best as I can tell, they don't really have anyone legitimate that can go in there. They've got a, just a vacancy there. As of right now, both PFF and our lads has Rashad Coward filling in at right guard. Rashad Coward is terrible. Now, they did draft a couple seventh-round guys, maybe. 
But as of right now, that's just a hole. And if you think Billy Turner struggles, wait till you see Rashad Coward. And a big part of the reason that I say that they're regressing is actually they had a very good offensive line last year. In 2018, the Green Bay Packers were number one in pass blocking. The Bears were fourth. And so that was one of the things that I talked about that the Bears, you know, let's keep in mind, they do have a pretty good offensive line, very good pass blocking. They dropped to 20th, 20th. Now, they were never any good at run blocking. Last year, they ranked 28th. But this, or excuse me, two years ago, 2018, they were 28th. Last year, they were dead last. And this is via PFF. You know, I'm sure there's some differing agreements on that. Bottom line is they're terrible. So the offensive line, although it might rebound a bit, this is a concern, especially at that right guard spot. I I, I should just say along the right side. Now, remember, Zadarius Smith. Remember, Daniil Hunter. Going up against 30-year-old Bobby Massey, who is not a good right tackle, and a right guard that has now gone from Kyle Long, who was a first-round pick in 2013, to Rashad Coward, who has never even had an average year. Undrafted free agent. And don't forget, in the middle, you got Cody Whitehair, who also seems to be regressing. You have Daniels, who is average, and maybe he's taking a continued step, and he takes a step forward. Either way, Mike Daniels is better. And then you got Charles Leno, who... If he gets back to it, might be the one redeemable person along this offensive line, but this is not a good offensive line. And that's kind of a big problem, because although this is not the same offense as what the Bears and the Vikings have or whatever, the 49ers, the, you know, this is a West Coast offense, but it's more a Mike McCarthy West Coast than a, I should say it's more like a, a Kansas City Chiefs West Coast, because that's literally where Nagy came from. In other words, they like to drop back and throw the ball, but still, without the allure of any sort of running threat, this becomes problematic, and, and you look at what the, the problem with the Packers, well, you got all you got is Devontae. Let's run through this. The Packers have Devontae. They also have Aaron Rodgers. They also have Aaron Jones. They also have a pretty solid offensive line, and then they've got a, a couple number twos, and we can argue about that if you want. Fine, but you know I, I will happily go through and look at all these teams' number two wide receivers, and you'll see Alan Lazard and Devin Funches are, are basically what you expect in a number two. But if that's not good enough, let's look at the Bears. They have Mitch Trubisky, or Foles. It doesn't really matter. They actually graded out about the same last year. You have Montgomery as their running back, who has not done anything. You have an offensive line that cannot pass block or run block. You have Jimmy Graham as their tight end. You got Allen Robinson. Solid, solid guy. And then you have... um, You got Anthony Miller, who took a small step, no question, but is still not a good wide receiver. He was ranked 73rd out of 122. And your big free agent acquisition was 35-year-old Ted Ginn. So that's your wide receiver group. You've got Allen Robinson, very good. You've got Miller in the slot, and you've got Ted Ginn as your other out-wide wide receiver. Your Z or whatever. As a point of reference, Miller is their second-best wide receiver. His overall grade was a 66. Allen Lazard's grade was a 69. Devin Funchess's grade was a 60, 69, basically. So we have two guys at the number two spot that are better than the Bears' number two. Basically the same, but that's that's kind of my point. We're not worse off. We're much better off. So their wide receiver group is not great. They still have Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen, um, I mean, he's been in the league for three years. You talk about regression. I mean, 2017, his grade was a 77. 2018, his grade was a 71. 2019, his grade was a 60. He just gets worse every year. I have to assume that this is not a good fit for him. Tariq Cohen is a scary guy, and he showed it in 2017, but then they switched coaches, and and it just seems to be regressing ever since. I don't think this is the kind of guy that Matt Nagy wants, or, 
you know, I don't even want to say that he doesn't know how to utilize them. It's not about knowing how. It's just a fact of I'm doing something and you don't really fit this this thing that I'm doing. Right? He wants, similar to what the Packers have always said, they don't really like these sort of satellite running backs. They like guys that are do-everything backs. That's why they went out and got Montgomery, because he's going to be able to run between the tackles and be the receiver, a little bit of everything. Cohen is just a receiver. So it's just, it doesn't seem to be working. So on this entire offense, you've got Robinson. And I don't want to spend too much more time here because I don't think there's a lot of contention. I can't think of a single thing Bears fans would argue with me about. I know you don't like Trubisky anymore. Finally got you to come around to that one. What, is it Miller? Should we discuss Miller? 656 yards and two touchdowns? Is that is that your point of contention? Longest reception was 35 yards. He had four drops, which somehow he had more drops than Allen Robinson, despite having about half as many targets. 87.3 passer rating when targeted, which I know has a lot to do with the quarterback, but Allen Robinson also has the same quarterback. He had a grade of 80 overall. He had 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. So it's not like if you have a bad quarterback, PFF isn't going to like your wide receivers. It's not like your, your stats can't be better if you've got a bad quarterback. That's false. Is it is it David Montgomery? He's a really good back. 889 yards, 3.7 yards per carry, 6 touchdowns, 16 uh, carries over 10 yards, basically 1 per game. Compare that to Aaron Jones, 1100, basically 1,200 yards, 4.5 yards per carry, 19 touchdowns, 27 carries over 10 yards. Should we compare it to Dalvin Cook? Twelve, you know, you want to complain? Well, the offensive line. Okay, Vikings don't have an offensive line. Dalvin Cook had twelve hundred yards, four point three yards per carry, fifteen touchdowns, twenty eight carries of ten or more yards of oh, excuse me, over ten yards. You don't have a good running back. Sorry, fail. Get out of my face. Doesn't work. Not gonna happen. And if you think you're gonna have a better running game than the Lion, first of all, I already think they have a better running back than you, and they just drafted another running back. So at, either way, they're gonna find a way to run more effectively than you because they also have a better offensive line and a threat of throwing the ball, which you don't have. I mean, I, I just, listen, I don't have, I just don't have any respect for this team. I, I, don't, I don't, I just don't. I get upset when a, when a really good team is allowed to rot. The reason I've been trashing the Seahawks isn't because I hate the Seahawks necessarily. It's because of how pathetic it is to have something so great and to just let it fall apart right before your very eyes. The Bears had something and they lost it. Maybe they can't control Vic Fangio getting hired somewhere else. It's not like you can offer him anything. You don't want to make him your head coach. But, I mean, you also brought in somebody that is a different style. So you have to change the way your defense operates. And, you know, you gave away all your picks, so you're not able to draft anybody. The guys you bring, you you keep bringing in all these wide receivers. Why did you bring in so many wide receivers? For two years now, you brought in tons of these just terrible wide receivers. They're all just awful. I get the impression you don't know what you're doing, and it just annoys me. And so, listen, I, I have no problem. La- again, last year I said, watch out for the Bears. Packer fans are like, oh, well, we're, you know, let's focus on week two because week one is the really scary one. Or let's focus on week two because that's the scary one, not week one, which was the Bears. That's what I meant to say. And I came out and said, I don't know about that. So I'm, I'm, I'm not just being mean to be mean. I'm just telling you the truth. Your team sucks, and you got to fix it. You gotta want your GM to fix this. If you think this is good enough, it's not. Your quarterback is garbage. Your offensive line is garbage. Your wide receivers are garbage. Your tight ends are garbage. Your running back is garbage. You've got a good pass rusher, one. Got a couple good defensive linemen. That's cool. You do not have any good corners. Let's 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 do that. Let's do defense now. This is the biggest point of contention for everybody. So let's do that. 
Because, again, I, I, I'll admit, there are some teams who don't have a ton of talent that make it work. Maybe the Bears are just one of those teams. But I'm not getting off the point that there's not as much talent as you think. So Khalil Mack is, I'm, I'm not even going to argue about that. Khalil Mack is a good football player. He did take a step back, though. He had nine sacks. Khalil Mack was fourth in the NFL, in, or in the NFC North in sacks. Zadarius had 16, Daniil Hunter had 15, Preston had 13, Khalil had 9. He actually tied for fourth with Everson Griffin. Only one ahead of Kenny Clark. Just, you know, again, putting it into perspective. Now, if we look in terms of total pressures, he was third behind Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter. So, again, we're just looking at the NFC North, and, and, and I'm just trying to, trying to look at this and say, how do the Bears, how would a Bears fan argue... <sighs> I, I, I can't even get to the point of saying that they're Super Bowl contenders because I can't even get them up above third in the NFC North. Again, the offense is fourth. Quarterback is fourth. So you would have to have by far the best defense. And we're looking at your cornerstone piece, Khalil Mack. He's not even the best pass rusher in, in the NFC North. Well, last year was an anomaly. Okay, maybe. in Zadarius Smith, yeah, you could say that was an anomaly. In which case, it's down to Khalil Mack and Daniil Hunter, if you want to say that. But it's it's a little bit of a stretch. I mean, Khalil Mack was the best run-defending edge rusher, so he's got that going for him. It wasn't by a super-wide margin. Darius Smith was second, actually, which is something that we should be very grateful for because the run defense was a problem, and Zadarius wasn't great. There were times when things were bad, Zadarius was on that list of guys that struggled. But overall, he did a solid job. To give you a sense of proportion, Khalil Mack was number one. His grade was 83. Zadarius was second with 78. Tackling, it's not even worth talking about. It's a very weird thing. The only guy that is a decent pass rusher that didn't do terrible as a tackler was Daniil Hunter, who was fifth, behind guys like Austin Bryant and Devontae Bond. Just really random stuff. So tackling is a strange thing. If we look at pass rush grade as opposed to the statistics, Khalil was third behind Zadarius and Daniil Hunter. What about coverage? Zadarius was number one. Everson Griffin, who is now gone, was two. Kyler Fackrell was three, who is now gone. And those are the only three that graded out fairly well. So the only guy that graded out positively was the guy who was number one, Zadarius Smith. Daniil Hunter was seventh. Khalil Mack was twelfth. Again, I'm starting with your best asset here. We're starting at the top. It's only it's only going to go downhill from here. Maybe defensive tackle, you got a, a case to be made. But this is not it's not going to go well for you. And I'm 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 somewhat sarcastically, but I'm trying to make a case. I'm trying to say, okay, I'm a Bears fan now. This is a Bears podcast. Welcome to the Bears Den podcast. I am your host, Bear Down Sam. And today we're going to talk about why the Bears are the best team in the NFC North and why they have the best path to the Super Bowl of any team in the NFC North. I don't know where to go. I have to completely ignore the offense. Just ignore it. And i got to spend the whole show talking about defense. And even so, I'm starting with Khalil Mack, our cornerstone piece, our, our top dog, not just on the defense, but anywhere. And I can't even make the case that he's the best pass rusher in the, in the NFC North. Forget the NFL. In the NFC North. Third out of four teams. Ouch. Fourth. Tied for fourth in sacks. There are two Green Bay Packers who had more sacks than Khalil Mack. This is a rough, rough show we're going to have here on the Bear Den podcast with your host, Bear Down Sam. It's going to be, it's going to be, well, it's not going to be long. It's going to feel long. It's going to be pretty short, filled with lots of hyperbole. He's the greatest. Going to have to bury a lot of these stats. I mean, again, best run defending edge rusher. Guess who? Khalil Mack. Boom. Fourth in tackles behind, you know, Kennard and Hunter and Flowers. 
but number one in missed tackles, burn. Khalil Mack, number one in missed tackles with 11. Take that, Preston Smith with 10 and Everson Griffin with 10, you bunch of suckers. You can't even miss tackles right. <laughs> you losers. Wow. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Number one in missed tackles. Bear down. Right? I, I, just say, I'm trying. It is a catchy song. I'll say that. I'm, I'm, see, I, this is blasphemous because I, I think that's a catchy song. I also think that Vikings horn is awesome. I, I know that's, I just lost a bunch of, li- dude, it's intimidating. I understand it's annoying, but I mean, it's third down and you hear that ominous, it, I mean, come on, it's not even a horn. That's like a Transformers growl thing. It's, 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 it gives me chills, man. It freaks me out. I'm already feeling, it's like third and 15. And it's like, oh, this sucks. And then you hear the horn. And it's like, well, we're not getting it now. I'm terrified. I'm going to have nightmares. I'm just saying, I'd be cool if we had something like that. It can't be a horn, but we've discussed this before. I don't know if it would be like a cow mooing. I don't know how you can make that ominous. What would be a Packers thing? Cheese, like squeaky cheese? I don't I don't know. I'm not sure. Let's continue. Khalil Mack was tied for third in stops. Again, stops are a PFF thing, which means you made a tackle and it was a negative play for the offense. Zadarius Smith was number one. Daniil Hunter was tied for number one with him. He was tied with Devin Kennard. Well done. So again, not great there. He was number one in forced fumbles, for whatever that's worth. He had four. Daniel Hunter had three, so props. Passer rating when targeted, Khalil was 16th, which, you know, I mean, granted, some of these guys probably were never even targeted. I don't think Daniel. well, he did. He dropped into coverage nine times, was never targeted. Zadarius, 11 times, never targeted. So maybe it's a little unfair, but also you're still trash. So, you know, I mean, is, is that harsh? Yeah, it's a little harsh, but, you know, I, I'm just, I, again, I'm just trying Trying to help you out. Only two edge rushers had picks. Preston Smith and Everson Griffin. Packers, Vikings. There's a pattern here. Packers, Vikings, Packers, Vikings, Packers, Vikings. Where's Khalil? Oh, he's behind the Packers and Vikings guys. So, anyways, that's your top asset. And and again, Khalil could take a step forward because he did take a half a step back, and I think he is a half a step better than this. Sidarius clearly could regress. It's hard to replicate that. I genuinely think stats-wise, Preston will regress. I don't expect him to get anywhere near 13 sacks again. So some of this is me just kind of being sarcastic. But again, you don't have anything else. Khalil is your top guy, and he wasn't even the best pass rusher in the division. Forget the, the NFL. Which is what Bears fans want to say. Best pass rusher in the NFL, Khalil Mack. I mean, would I be stunned if he was the best pass rusher in 2020? No, because he's a freak. But when you're third in your own division, that kind of sucks a little bit, right? All right, let's start with interior defensive tackle. Where's Akeem Hicks? Overall defensive grade. He's behind Kenny Clark. So we've got a better pass rusher, and we have a better interior defensive tackle. And this is, by the way, Kenny Clark did take a step back. Well, so did Akeem Hicks, and you said, you're not listening to me. Akeem Hicks took a step back to what he usually is. 76.7 is Akeem Hicks. Kenny Clark's grade last year was a 90. The year before that was an 88. He took a step back down to something that wasn't great. And by the way, starting basically in week 9, he just took off like a rocket. From week 9 on, Kenny Clark was the third highest graded defensive tackle in all of football with an 88 overall grade. Where was Akeem Hicks down the stretch? He was 68th overall with a 67 overall grade. Kenny Clark regressed because of a bad start to the season, and there's every reason to believe he's going to get back to where he was. So I 100% expect him to stay ahead of Akeem Hicks because he's better than Akeem Hicks. Now again, you look at the duo, Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks. Eddie Goldman was fourth. 
Packers don't really have a solid second option. So yeah, it's a decent enough duo. But there was one good pass rusher of the entire group. His name is Kenny Clark. This thing about Akeem Hicks being a good pass rusher, I mean, he was fifth, but his grade was a 63. Kenny Clark was an 87. It's not even a competition. You look at sacks, Kenny Clark had eight sacks. Linval Joseph, who was gone now, had three. I guess it's not fair to do stats with Akeem Hicks, considering he didn't play very often. But again, grade-wise, it was pretty on point with what he usually does. But the number two guy was Nick Williams. Nick Williams, by the way, currently plays for the Detroit Lions, so you lost him, so that stinks. After that is Jaleel Johnson. After that is Roy Robertson-Harris. Again, it's not that you have a bad defensive line. I, I might even be willing to concede it's it's better than anybody else because the Lions don't really have a good interior defensive line. The Vikings, now that they lost Linval, probably don't. And the Packers, although they have the best defensive tackle in the NFC North, and that's not super disputable, you do have a duo. But again, if we zoom back out, your defense needs to be miles ahead of everybody else because you have by far the worst offense. The Vikings' offense annihilates your offense. The Lions' offense annihilates your offense. The Packers' offense, which struggled, annihilates your offense. Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Funchess, Lazard, give me a break. Offensive line just eats yours for breakfast. It's ridiculous. It's not even close. So, I'm I, I, again, bear down, right? Trying to do this podcast. Bears are better than everybody. The best I can say right now is this is the best defensive tackle duo in the NFC North. Great. Boom. Nailed it. Done. Khalil Mack, if he can get back to what he was basically for his entire career outside of the slight step back, he's probably the best pass rusher in the NFC North. All right. Not by a lot, but yeah, probably. So that's where we're at. Should we look at corners now? Because I know this is a point of contention. Grade-wise, and this is just ridiculous. Sherrick McManus, a guy that I've been saying for two years now, very good corner. The Bears refuse to play the guy. 22 total snaps. He's been an elite player for two years. I don't know what the problem is, why they won't play him, but they won't. He was a top guy. He played almost 300 snaps last year and was graded out almost elite. So, again, I I don't know what's going on over there, but he's 32 years old. They're wasting whatever they have with him. So, cool. All right, anyways. After that was J. Ron Curse, who was with the Vikings, moved over to the Detroit Lions. Curse, um, pretty bad football player who had a decent year because he didn't play that much, and when you factor in three basically really good games in the midst of a bunch of not great, you end up with an elite grade. But uh, this is a guy who's been average to subpar for three straight years, so I don't expect a ton there. So we haven't really gotten to any starters yet. Then, the first actual starter, the highest graded guy that actually started, is Mr. Tremont William. After that, 350 snaps, Chandon Sullivan. After that, 1,000 snaps, Jair Alexander. So the top three guys, depending on if you want to call Chandon Sullivan a starter, I don't know where you make the cutoff, but again, 350 snaps. The top three guys are corners, or <laughs> obviously, are Packer corners. After that is Amani Aruarie. Love saying that. 215 snaps. Probably can't count him, though. After that, Prince of Mukamura. Oops, he's gone. After that, Mackenzie Alexander. Oops, he went to the, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. After that is Trey Waynes. Oops, he went to the Bengals. After that, you got Duke Shelley for the Bears, who didn't really play. You get Holton Hill for the Vikings, who didn't really play. And then you get Kevin King from the Packers, who did play. So again, the only starters that I can see that are still in the... Uh, let's see. Uh, Tremont, Chandon, Jair. Literally all Packers. And the next one is Kevin King. Then you get to Kyle Fuller. Now, this is just overall defensive grades. What about the stats, man? What about the coverage grades? You're just looking at defensive grades. All right, well, let's go through it here. Because after that, you know, Buster Screen was 16, just continuing on. And that's that's pretty much it. I don't know who else you even have. 
Run defense, Kyle Fuller was third. Second, if you consider uh, sna- yeah, actually, actually starting. So he was pretty solid against the run. Pretty solid tackler as well. But if we look at just coverage grade, again, just looking at starters, Tremont is number one. Jair is number two. Tremont had an 82 overall grade. Jair had a 76 overall grade. Chandon Sullivan had a 75 overall grade. Uh, skipping, 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 skipping. Then you have Kevin King with a 62 overall grade. Skipping, skipping. Then you get down to Mike Hughes for the Vikings with a 59. So now we're below average. Then you get to Justin Coleman with the Vic- or the uh, Lions at 59. Buster Screen at 59. Then you get to Kyle Fuller at 58. The only above average starters in the entire NFC North are Packers. Again, Sherrick McManus does not start. J. Ron Curse went to Detroit and didn't even play 300 snaps. Aruwarie played 15, uh, 215 snaps. Amukamura is gone. Mackenzie Alexander is gone. Duke Shelley didn't start. Holton Hill played 150 snaps. Trey Waynes is gone. Uh, I already mentioned Mike Hughes, but that's below average. That's it. Okay, well, that's dumb grades. They don't count. What about the stats? I, I don't know. Let's take a look, I guess. If you look at, let's just look at targets. How many times did he get thrown at? Kyle Fuller was second 99 times he got thrown. The only one in the entire NFC North that got thrown at more was Justin Coleman with the Detroit Lions 110 times. Well, just because you get thrown at doesn't mean... Okay, well, Jair got thrown at 98 times. Basically the same, right? Jair allowed 55 receptions. Kyle Fuller allowed 67. Jair had some real bad games where he allowed a lot of yardage. In total, he allowed 798 yards. Kyle Fuller allowed 887 yards. More than any corner in the NFC North, 887 yards, is the most yardage given up by anybody. He did have a decent number of pass breakups and interceptions, but th- the biggest problem I have, especially with interceptions, is that it's always a small number. It's such a fleeting thing. Think about it. In, in 16 games, he ended up with three picks, and he's second in the, NF- in the NFL behind Kevin King, who had five, by the way. So if you can just get your hand on, on a ball three times, you can basically lead your division in picks. That's why I don't necessarily care for that stat too much. Pass breakups, he also did fine with eight pass breakups. The problem is he's behind Justin Coleman. He's behind Kevin King. He's behind Jair Alexander. Jair had 13. Justin Coleman had 11. Kevin King had nine. He had eight. Tied with Darius Slay. So there's not a lot to go on here that would lead me to believe, stats-wise, grade-wise, any kind of way, that Kyle Fuller had a good year. And again, maybe it was just a down year and he's going to get back to what he was. Possibly. Or maybe he's never really been a good corner. He finally was able to be in a system that worked for him, very zone-heavy, with a lot of pass rush help and a lot of safety help, and he had a really good year under Vic Fangio. And now you don't have as much pass rush help, you have, don't have anywhere near as much safety help, and you're playing a lot of man coverage, and you had a bad year, and you're going to have to do it again next year, and you're going to have a bad year. Somewhere in there lies the answer. I'm going to go with the second option, the one in which everything doesn't go back to the way that it was, and suddenly everybody's a great pass rusher, and your safeties become great, even though one of your safeties is gone and you suddenly become very good in man coverage, and all this stuff just kind of takes off. I just, I don't really see it. Should we look at linebackers now, because the Bears have elite linebackers? Okay, number one linebacker. Again, really weird. Didn't really play enough snaps to be called a starter, but Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Kevin Pierre-Lewis is now a Washington Redskin. He's gone, so the Chicago Bears can't even brag on that. After that was Eric Kendricks. This is a guy who started, again, I expect him fully to regress, because he's never been that good. Props to Eric Hendricks, had a phenomenal year. 17 pressures, 85 tackles, 36 stops. I mean, the guy just did everything. Great coverage grade, great run defense grade, just great year. After that, in terms of starters, would be Nick Kwiatkowski, who is now gone. He is with the Denver, uh, Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. I'll get it right one of these days. 
Those are the only linebackers who graded out even as good. Two guys that weren't starters, Cam Smith and Kevin Pierre-Lewis. One Viking starter who I expect to regress, and one Bears um, starter-ish, 500 snaps, who is now gone. Then we get down into the average category. Eric Wilson, semi-starter for the Vikings, 380 snaps. B.J. Goodson, who didn't play very much. Then you get to Danny Trevathan, who everybody really loves. He was average. Good against the run, solid tackler, decent enough pass rusher, terrible in coverage. All right, if we're talking about the full spectrum of whatever, what a guy... If we're just saying Danny Trevathan as a run defender, he's solid. He's fine. He's, he's going to do his job. One of the worst coverage guys in, in the NFC North, though. So you got to take the whole thing in its full context. Then you get to Anthony Barr, who is wildly overrated, always has been. I don't know if he's had a single good year in his career, maybe one or two. Wildly overrated. Then you get Jelani Tavai. Then you get Ben Gideon, who didn't play very much. And that's the last of the average. Then we get to below average. That's where Blake Martinez leads the uh, the team of below average with a 59 overall grade. One of the worst run defenders in the NFC North. He's obviously gone now. Then we get Kentrell Brothers, who's not a starter. Jalen Reeves-Mabin with Detroit. Then you get Roquan Smith. And we're, we're getting kind of close to the bottom of the barrel here. There's only two other starters. Uh, Christian Jones for Detroit, who I don't think is going to be a starter this year. And Jared Davis, who is a starter for Detroit. Detroit linebacker group is a nightmare, as is Green Bay's, by the way. But, you know, I, again, to, to, to give you some context on how bad this entire group of linebackers is, and this is kind of true league-wide, there's not a lot of good linebackers out there, B.J. Goodson is one of the better linebackers in the NFC North. If you want to know why there's any hope for Christian Kirksey being a solid linebacking contributor, it's because of just how bad everybody else is. The competition is not that steep. But Roquan can't even compete. 52 overall grade. Again, only two guys that started were worse. Yeah, Oren Burks is worse than him. He played 57 snaps. Let's get into specifics because I know a lot of people don't really like grades. Fine, let's talk about stats. Let's start with pressures because sometimes you do that stuff. I don't know. The best in terms of total pressures for any Chicago Bear was 7th, and that's Danny Trevathan with 10. Christian Jones, Jelani Tavai, Nick Kwiatkowski, Eric Hendricks, Jared Davis, and Anthony Barr all had more. Roquan was tied for third in sacks, but we're talking about two sacks. Again, this is we're talking about a fleeting thing, kind of like picks. But you talk about linebackers with sacks. Blake Martinez was tied for number one with Nick Kwiatkowski with three sacks. It doesn't mean anything. Tackles, another relatively useless thing, but it does mean something at least. You're kind of doing your job. Blake Martinez was miles ahead of everybody with 114. Then you get Eric Hendricks with 85. Then you get Roquan with 76. Stops. Blake Martinez, 51 led the division, then Roquan and Eric Hendricks tied for 36. Again, if we just look at tackling, I think Roquan was number one in tackling, so he's got that going for him. And then if you look at coverage, you know, again, I'm just trying to find positives here. Probably the worst in coverage was Blake in terms of statistics, just abysmal, but Roquan wasn't much better. Third in receptions allowed, fourth in yards given up, third in yards after the catch per reception, and he ended with one pick and one pass breakup. He allowed 75% of his passes to be caught, 43 of 57. So it, if, if we're better than everybody, it's not going to be found with the linebackers. There's not a lot here. And the only thing we got left is safeties. Minnesota dominates this category, and there's no question about that. It's not even close anywhere else. And so, again, Bears fans trying to assert dominance just can't do it in any category. The Vikings with Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith, it's not even close. I mean, the Bears might have the worst safety group of anybody. Detroit with, uh, let's see, are these guys still around? Tracy Walker's a very good safety. Very underrated. I talked about him last year before or two, before last year started as, as a guy to keep an eye on. He did it again. He's a solid football player nobody talks about. 
He's played two years. He's had two very good years. It did lose Tavon Wilson for whatever reason. Uh, he's 30 years old, I guess is why. But, I mean, if I had to pick a second best, it would have to be the Packers. Adrian Amos was fifth. If you look at just starters, he was third as far as highest grade overall. I mean, let's filter this a little bit. You got Anthony Harris. You got Harrison Smith. Then you got Amos. Then you had HaHa, who was gone. Then you got Tracy Walker, Detroit. Then you have Andrew Sandejo, who's gone. You have Tavon Wilson, who's gone. Then you have Darnell Savage, Packers. So now we've got two Vikings, we've got two Packers, and we've got one Lion. Then we have Eddie Jackson, Will Redmond, and Will Harris. I mean, you don't have to believe PFF is perfect about everything. How in the world do you interpret that the Bears have the best safety group? How in the world do you get Eddie Jackson as the top safety in the NFL, much less NFC North or anything else? We go through the specifics. Eddie Jackson was sixth in run defense from looking at grades. Eddie Jackson was dead last in tackling. Darnell Savage was second from the bottom, by the way. Rookie having a hard time tackling. Eddie Jackson was worse. Pass rush, he was second behind Tracy Walker. Coverage, which is, I would say, probably the most important thing, he was ninth out of 11. The only guys worse were Will Harris and Will Redmond. Will Redmond isn't even a starter for the Packers. If we look at tackles, he was sixth. If you look at missed tackles, he was second behind Darnell Savage. Actually, I'm sorry, he was tied. So the only time you see him number one in any category was missed tackles. You look at stops, he was fifth. And again, this is out of 11, so fifth is not great. Forced fumbles, only two guys had him. Darnell Savage had two, Harrison Smith had one, that's it. Eddie Jackson was third in targets, which isn't a great thing to be at the top of. He only had two picks, which again, doesn't mean much. The only guys that the, the only one that actually did really well in picks was Anthony Harris was sixth. After that, you got 3-3-2-2-2-2-1. Pass breakups, he was 6th. Tracy Walker and Adrian Amos had 7. Harrison Smith had 6. Anthony Harris had 5. Tavon Wilson had 5. Eddie Jackson had 4. So again, it's just, it's hard to make a really good case that this is a top safety. And again, we, we need to be elite, elite, elite. It's only if I can prove that Eddie Jackson is the top safety and Khalil Mack is by far the best pass rusher and Roquan is the best line. It's only if these things are true, Kyle Fuller is a top corner, then we can take the Bears seriously. It's only if we can make that case because we know the offense is the worst in the NFC North. So it's only if we can make the case on defense and I couldn't at any one position prove the Bears are better at anything except maybe defensive tackle. And even that, Kenny Clark is by far the best defensive tackle in the NFC North. It's only because they have two guys that are pretty good which nobody else really seems to have, depending on what happens with the Packers. And you have to also omit the fact that a lot of times we put some of our edge rushers on the interior and they do really good. But if we ignore all that and just say, well, Dean Lowry isn't very good, had a down year, et cetera, et cetera, then, you know, again, again that's the best I can do. I'll even, I'll even give you that Cleo Mack's the best pass rusher. Fine, have it, take it. It's still not good enough. Khalil Mack being marginally better than Zadarius and Daniel Hunter, and your interior defensive tackles as a as a unit being better than anybody else in the NFC North doesn't compensate for the fact that you have maybe the worst corners, maybe the worst safeties, uh, not a good linebacker group. I won't push that too hard, but it's not a good group. Um, probably the second worst offensive line, uh, the worst quarterback, the worst wide receiver group, I would say probably the worst running back. You know, I, I don't know. I, I I would love to hear a response. And again, remember, if we're talking about the Bears actually being a contender and actually being a scary team, we got a lot of work to do. 
because I'm I'm just not seeing it. I, I they got good players and they did a good job of of, of again just being kind of steady. Maybe they're not super elite. Maybe they're not going to get eight sacks in a game. Maybe they're not going to get 15 picks or, you know, just crazy stuff like 2018. But they're still tough to move the ball again. It's hard to throw. It's hard to, you know, run. Everybody does a good job of just kind of staying in their lane and doing their job and, and whatever. But again, as we learned, that's not good enough. It's That would be great for most teams. Most teams with even decent offenses could get away with that. But when you're 29th in points and 29th in yards, being just good enough to keep teams at around 20-ish points, it's just not good enough. You have to be getting a lot of takeaways. You have to get a lot of sacks. Your defense needs to carry a heavier load. You need the 2018 defense just to even get a chance of winning the division, getting into the playoffs, and making a push to beat the Goliaths in the NFL. And the idea that this half-hearted attempt to bring in Nick Foles who is a mediocre quarterback at best. Again, he and Trubisky shared the same grade last year. The idea that that's going to fix it all, and, and, and what, Ted Ginn? And that 30-year-old pass rusher you're going to put on the opposite side of Khalil Mack that's had maybe two good years, not one in the last, like, six years? This is what's going to transform this team? This is this is a joke. This I mean, listen, we've seen this before. We've seen teams like the Jaguars do this, where you just don't want to admit it's over. You've got so much good, and we've had this really great year, and we don't want to break this down and rebuild it because there's so much good here. We got Khalil Mack. I basically just ran this team into the ground so that we can get to Khalil Mack, and I, I, I can't just give up now. We got to push. But just like the Jaguars learn, just like a lot of teams learn, you, you, at some point you gotta, you got to start cutting it off. I'm not saying get rid of Khalil, but there's nothing salvageable here. There's not enough talent to make a genuine push here. Unless some real thing, I mean, it's, it's going to have to be miraculous. Your defensive coordinator, if, if you know, Chuck Pagano is going to have to do what Vic Fangio did in four years, it took him to do, you're going to have to do it in two, which by the way, almost nobody in NFL history has been able to make a defense that good. You're going to have to do that in your second year. On top of that, Foles is going to have to have a really good year. Allen Robinson is going to have to stay at an elite level. You're going to need another step from another wide receiver, probably Miller. And this offensive line needs to pick it up. If all that happens, yeah, you could, you you might win a Super Bowl. There you go. It's the best I can do. I mean, it's it's easier to make a case for the Lions than it is for the Bears. Based on just talent, it's easier. I understand the Lions are a dysfunctional organization and their coach doesn't know what he's doing, and I get all that. And the Bears don't have that problem, but in terms of talent, I think this is the this is the worst team in the NFC North in terms of talent. So, anyways, I gotta get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.